All right, so welcome to my podcast this morning. My name is Emily Dozier, and I am your host. And my guest speaker today is my grandfather, Lynn Dozier. How are you doing this morning? I'm fine. Thank you. Good. So we're going to be discussing some topics that I have learned in my Bible class this semester. Um, So just starting off with a few things. Um, Grandpa, what would you say is one of the central unifying themes of the Bible? One of them, uh, I think, would be that God intends to bring glory to himself across all the ages of uh, that the Bible covers. So bringing glory to God can be seen through through every part of the Bible, through the Old and the New Testament. Yes. Yeah. So how would you say that the Old Testament, the different parts of it kind of um, connects and strings together one big story with the New Testament and the coming Messiah? Well, the uh, of course, Adam's fall brought sin into the world. And... Uh, God then had to have a remedy for that to recover fallen mankind and fallen creation. And in putting together his plan uh, to do that, which was uh, foreordained uh, before the foundation of the world, uh, he would bring glory to himself through that, uh, showing his majesty and his power and his wisdom and counsel uh, to provide for us a redeemer while at the same time being true to all of his attributes and uh, things such as justice and righteousness and uh, and all of his perfections. Yeah, so we talked about in class how... Um, Genesis 3.15 is kind of a key verse for God's plan to redeem his people. He promised Eve that through the seed of the woman, um, he would crush the serpent's head. So that's kind of a foreshadowing for um, the coming Christ. That's right. That particular verse is uh, key in probably the first introduction Uh, that we have of God's uh, promise to provide redemption and the way that he would do it would be through uh, the seed of a woman who would, of course, become uh, and be identified progressively as the Messiah at first and then finally the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um. And I think we can see those promises um, even more manifested through the covenants that um, the Lord made with his people. So starting with the Abrahamic covenant, um, God promised Abraham that he would make his name great and that he would make of him a great nation. Um, And through that, the children of Israel would become his nation. and um... That's right. You're talking about Genesis chapter 12 there, where 
uh, he first outlined the, the broad promises uh, to Abraham. Of course, uh, it's an interesting question as to why he chose one man to vest all of these blessings in. Uh, and I think the answer is, is that he had to have a vehicle, a nation, uh, to provide the the uh, Redeemer through. Uh, and so he chose Abraham, and as Abraham uh, responded to those promises in obedience, then each time God gave Abraham more information about uh, those promises until uh, finally uh, we have three other covenants that arise out of the Abrahamic covenant which are the land covenant, the Davidic covenant, and the new covenant and all of those are expansions <clears throat> on the uh, original Abrahamic covenant. And I think the the Davidic covenant is a, is a big one because... Um, from the line of David is promised the Messiah. So we see a good king in David, but God promises for the true king um, to come out of that line. And we can see that through the Old Testament as well. Right. Yeah. Uh, the Abrahamic covenant talks about a seed. And uh, in that particular passage, which is, I think, somewhere along in chapter 17 or 18 of Genesis, uh, he talks about a seed, and in that particular instance, the use of the word seed is not plural, but singular, uh, denoting the, uh, the person of the Messiah that would uh, arise out of David. He's called uh, a branch, uh, in one place, and uh, but he would he would come of David, and he would be the uh, person who would bring the fulfillment of God's covenant promises to the nation of Israel, and not just the nation of Israel, but the spiritual blessings upon all mankind. So, going through to the new covenant in the New Testament. Um, that's important because no longer does the nation of Israel have to abide by the Mosaic Covenant and the old the law that God established, um, but they can now enjoy the blessings of the New Covenant and through salvation in Jesus Christ. Um, yes, the New Covenant is interesting in that uh, not only will it be fulfilled for Israel during the millennial reign of Christ, but it is fulfilled now uh, in the lives of individual uh, believers who place their faith and trust. And uh, so Gentiles are partakers of the spiritual covenants or the spiritual blessings of the new covenant uh, now. Uh, and, And so are Jews that come to Jesus Christ, but later when the nation of Israel is saved uh, at the beginning of the millennial kingdom, uh, or at the end of the tribulation, maybe we should say, the new covenant will be uh, 
uh, poured out upon them and give them a new heart, uh, not the stony, cold heart that they have now, which rejects the Messiah, but a new heart, which uh, accepts him and uh, is written on their hearts. And uh, along with all the uh, other covenants, uh, all the covenants will be fulfilled uh, for the Jews in the millennial kingdom. And you did mention the Mosaic Covenant a while ago. Uh, all of the covenants that we're talking about here are unconditional covenants, uh, with the exception of the Mosaic Covenant, which is a conditional covenant. And it is content, uh, conditional in the sense that uh, obedience uh, brought blessing upon the nation and uh, disobedience brought cursing upon the nation. And I think in the nation of Israel, as we look at their history through the, uh, the Pentateuch and the uh, historical books, we see uh, a nation that is very much like the individual soul who has to make choices about uh, whether they're going to serve God or not and the consequences of those choices. And uh, so if we disobey, there are uh, bad outcomes. But if we obey, there are good outcomes. And that is true for the nation of Israel, uh, as well as for individuals that are born throughout the ages. And I think that that makes the new covenant, you know, just all that much sweeter and just a blessing because, you know, we there's nothing that humans can do to keep the law because we're imperfect. Only Jesus Christ could keep the law and fulfill the Mosaic law. So just the fact that God made an unconditional covenant um, with us for believers, um, that it's nothing we have to do, it's just just a wonderful fulfillment of his promises. Right. So uh, when God established or ratified the covenant with Abraham, uh, what you just said is demonstrated in that ratification where he put Adam or uh, uh, Abraham to sleep and uh, God walked between the uh, pieces of the slain animal that were representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and God walked between those signifying that uh, the covenant, the keeping of the covenant is solely upon his promise and his name and his power. And Abraham has nothing to do with it. He cannot abrogate the covenant by his disobedience uh and and put it away it is established uh eternally and forever that's neat because we talked about that in class about walking through the slain sacrifice and what that represents so that's something that i had never studied or known before so that was really cool um so yes that's kind of walking through the covenants um and that just really helps to unify the story of the Bible, I think, and, and God's plan to redeem his people. Um, so let's talk for a few minutes about 
um, a biblical worldview. Um, Grandpa, how would you describe what a biblical worldview is? Um, to, to me, uh, of course, everybody's got their worldview, which uh, controls how they react to all of the cultural and political um, things that are happening around them. Uh, I believe with all of my heart that God has given us in his word, in particular the prophetic passages of the Old Testament and, and the New Testament also where Jesus Christ and the apostles uh, clarified a lot of things as they uh, revealed the mysteries of the New Testament, which opened our insight into the future. But when we look at the prophecies uh, concerning the coming uh, victory of our magnificent Savior, who is going to come in great power and glory and reestablish God's kingdom on the earth, uh, which was lost by Adam. Uh, we we know what's going to happen. And because we know what the uh, age is like, uh, the, the current age that we live in, uh, some people, it, it's properly called the church age because God's calling out uh, a bride for a son, but it's also... Uh, known as the the mystery kingdom. That's a man's term, but there are things going on in the world today that uh, Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 13 in the parables uh, and which the apostles revealed in the mysteries, which tell us what the conditions of the world would be like uh, during this age. And when we know and understand that uh, we're wheat among tares, and uh, and things like that, we know how to respond to the things that are going on around us in the world, and we respond with confidence, uh, knowing that uh, these things are temporary, and that in the future, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to uh, redeem uh creation and uh, reverse the effects of sin in the world and on nature. And uh, so when, when we, these things give us hope uh, that we know the, what the end result is going to be. And it gives us hope to be able to uh, live and dwell and deal with life today. I agree. So, we, you know, we talked about having a biblical worldview. Um, well, worldview in general is is a set of beliefs um, and values that arise from your big story of the world. And everybody has a big story, whether it's biblical or not. But as as Christians and um, believing the Bible and God's word, our big story arises from the scriptures, and and it all makes sense and plays together because of the story of the Bible. So we talked about having a, 
a creation, fall, redemption kind of storyline. And so God created the world and it was perfect in his creation. Um, But then man sinned against God and we have the fall. And so that is the world we're currently living in. And we're living in a fallen world, a sin-cursed world. And God one day will redeem his creation and um, restore it and bring it to himself. And so if you have that big story, you can view the world um, in a way that it's not perfect and there are, um, there's sin and there's the effects of the fall. Um, and that's how we view the things that are going on around us. But we have that hope that as Christians, we have been redeemed and one day God will redeem his fallen creation. And, um, it just, the, the story makes sense. And that's how we view the things that are going on around us. Right. And uh, can I just add that uh, the comfort that we get from knowing or from having a proper biblical worldview gives us uh, hope. For example, uh, we look forward with anticipation to the rapture of the church before the tribulation when things will be so bad that uh, the the world will be in such turmoil during those days. But uh, we know from Scripture that we won't be here. And so we don't fret and fuss and uh, wring our hands and be in constant agony about the condition of of things because we know that our Lord Jesus Christ and all of his uh, magnificent glory is going to appear and take us home to be with him, those who have placed their faith in him. Definitely. So that is just a great hope to think about and um, just trust in and that uh, we don't have to worry about the things going on around us because our hope is placed in Jesus Christ and we know our future one day. So I think that's just great thing to end out on here. Um, Thank you, Grandpa, for being my guest today and discussing these topics and just sharing your knowledge and insight. I really appreciate it. Well, it's my pleasure, dear. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. Uh, We'll see you again soon.